1: Hello Texas, thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Malted barley. When you hear those words, you probably think of beer of malted barley might also help the cattle business on the environmental
3: front. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The spring outlook for Texas livestock forage and pastures following the memorable winter storm. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Planters are again rolling and citrus producers are in an assessment and rehabilitation process those stories and more in today's report.
1: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Corn and sorghum seed are going in the ground in many parts of Texas and the outlook for 2021 is good. Jessica Tomel has more.
5: There's some good news for Texas row crop farmers. With planting already underway in central Texas and areas further south, corn, grain sorghum, and cotton are all bringing above-average prices. Dr. Mark Welch, grain economist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, said farmers have options this year due to the favorable prices for all three crops. He said farmers will likely make their planting decisions based on soil moisture levels, input costs, past yields, and crop insurance protections. Average cash prices for sorghum are $6.40 a bushel. That's up from $2.95 in early August. Corn is averaging $5.90 a bushel, up from $3.40 a bushel in August. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmull.
1: The 64th Annual Meeting of Plains Cotton Growers is scheduled for Friday, April 9th at the Overton Hotel and Conference Center in Lubbock. The meeting will feature a keynote speech from Jim Wiesmeyer, a journalist and analyst for Pro Farmer in Washington. Wiesmeyer is the Dean of Washington Farm Journalism, having covered agriculture in the nation's capital for nearly 50 years. Other featured guests include Dr. Gary Adams, President and CEO of the National Cotton Council, Bo Stevenson with the Lubbock Cotton Exchange, and Congressman Jody Arrington. The meeting is free to attend. Malted barley makes you think of beer, but it could also help the cattle industry with environmental issues. James Hunt has more from Amarillo.
2: In these days of heightened environmental consciousness and evolving regulation, a significant challenge confronts a substantial portion of our region's agriculture.
4: When we come to both beef and dairy, one of their biggest concerns is that cattle, just by their normal digestion, produce a lot of methane.
2: That's Dr. David Brower, lab director at the USDA Research Facility in Bushland, who says that very fundamental issue is the focus of a new research project. Dr. Brower says methane production by cattle largely relates to the digestion of the starch they consume when fed a corn-rich diet. You see, when we humans eat corn, an enzyme in our saliva immediately goes to work to break the starch down and help our bodies absorb it.
4: That's not the case with cattle. Their saliva lacks that enzyme, and so they don't instantly start degrading that starch.
2: So if the problem is a missing enzyme, is there an effective way to provide that enzyme to cattle? Maybe. Dr. Brower says researchers are preparing to explore the impact of feeding something new to cattle, malted barley. That's right. Malted barley happens to have that crucial enzyme.
4: It's also high in starch. It's also high in a high-quality protein for our cattle. And so the thought is, perhaps, We can feed a little bit of malted barley, replacing the corn that's in the diet, and that will increase starch degradation, which in turn will decrease methane production.
2: To be clear, Dr. Brower says the idea here is not to remove corn from feed rations outright, maybe just replace 10% of it or less with barley. A feeding trial to study all of this will begin in May. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Well, if you look at the calendar, spring is officially here, but the effects of winter will be felt for a while across Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. Today, uh, my guest is Tracy
3: Tomasik. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director for Commodity and Regulatory Activities. And Tracy joins us from Waco and uh, Uh, We are into a new season, the spring of uh, 2021, but uh, certainly, Tracy, uh, before we uh, spring forward on spring, we need to look back and uh, talk about how the winter storm uh, in February impacted uh, livestock, range, and pastures across Texas. What have you been seeing and hearing?
6: Tom, I think everyone can agree that we experienced a rough end to the winter months in February. That was certainly an historic event. No one's going to forget anytime soon. And and it's definitely had a negative impact on uh, livestock uh, and poultry facilities, general pasture and range conditions all across the state.
3: Yeah, it's kind of pushed things back a little bit. Ranchers and uh, folks out there are not going to see what they normally see in the month of March and April, right?
6: Yes, not only is a majority of Texas us under some sort of a drought condition, anywhere from just abnormally dry to exceptional drought in in certain parts of the state. But on top of that, the moisture that's not there that's needed to spring us into the new season and to really help all of our forages flourish while the uh, temperatures increase and our soil temperature gets to a growing point, it's it's just not enough there to sustain things. We're really delayed in regards to producing our spring grasses that would normally be uh, very very flush by this point in the year. This storm system was, was unique in that it stretched really far south, uh, much further than normal, uh, where we have a lot more Brahman-influenced cattle. And that particular uh, breed group, they seem to take it a little harder. And that's understandable, uh, being that they're uh, more adapted to a, a tropic uh, environmental condition. So you'll see some things that are unfortunate, particularly in young calves born in this time frame. And when the, when that winter storm hits, is right in the middle of calves season. There are some silver linings. We thought that as we move into the springtime, many of our cultivated fields that have wheat and oat crops on them were going to be severely diminished. But it looks like if some of those crops were planted a a little later, so they were younger um, in regards to maturity, and particularly for the wheat crops, they seem to have sustained themselves through those conditions and look to be doing well. So when you look at the livestock side of things, the stocker operations, the beef cattle Side that are stretched all across the state of Texas. It looks like they're going to be able to salvage some of that grazing and some of that production from those acres. So if you're going to look at a silver lining, that's definitely one of them.
3: That is Texas Farm Bureau livestock specialist Tracy Tomasic in
1: Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The planters are rolling in the Rio Grande Valley while citrus producers there are still trying to regroup after winter storm Uri. Jim Hearn reports from the Valley.
4: Planters are again rolling in extreme south Texas. We've had a number of days in the mid-80s that have certainly warmed up valley soils. Corn, sorghum, and cotton, well, a lot still needs to be planted, but we've put a lot in the ground in the last couple of weeks. Now, the late sorghum crop will probably be susceptible to sorghum midge, but that's going to come down the road. Valley citrus producers have started the long process of recovery of their grows. For young trees, it has meant uh, pruning, and that's done by hand, back to the forks in some cases of the trees. Growers are going to have to grow a completely new tree, although they have, have a trunk and root system to be working with, young trees have been set back at least one to two years. Although it's too early to start talking about hedging of older trees, the early guess is that trees that survive will be cut back about 18 to 24 inches. Now, we could have a... Sporadic bloom late April or early May, but nothing on a commercial scale. With no prospects for a commercial crop in 2021 or 2022, then a limited crop possibly in 22 23, valley producers will have to go a long time without a paycheck. Watermelon planning is also resumed. Look for a shortage of melons this year. The freeze affected many areas in northern Mexico as well. Onion crop damage is still in the guessing states. How much of those onions will go to seed stems is still some time away, but those uh, onions will be processed and not for the fresh market. And looking at uh, citrus in the South Texas Winter Garden, temperatures there did dip to around 10 degrees at 3 to 5 inches of snow, the Golden Triangle saw nine to 10 degrees with well the satsumas in that area looking a little better they're more cold hardy than our normal citrus varieties but for the state in general it was very very cold this is jim Hearn reporting from the rio grande valley for texas ag today
5: there's good news for texas turkey hunters i'm jessica domal and i have that story coming up
1: and we know that dogs can hear and smell much better than humans but what about their eyesight Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Each year, National Ag Day celebrates the important contributions of our country's farms and farm families. Join the Agriculture Council of America and our esteemed industry partners on March 23rd as we thank America's farmers for all they provide to our nation and the world. Food brings everyone to the table, thanks to American Ag. Learn more about Ag Day and the events for March 23rd at agday.org. We're
0: keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas
1: Ag Today. Well, it seems that dogs and cats have better hearing and smell than humans. But how does their eyesight stack up? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look.
7: Well, dogs and cats are more sensitive to light than humans. Cats are particularly well adapted for night vision as they have a minimum light detection threshold seven times less than that of humans. Cats also have an area in the retina called a tapetum that reflects up to 130 times more light than the human retina, a vertically slit pupil, and a large cornea that lets in more light. Dogs have many of these same adaptations, just somewhat less than cats, but still better night vision than humans. As far as detecting movement, humans can detect movement in bright light better than cats, but cats have better vision in low light situations. One interesting point is that dogs can detect rapidly flickering light at different rates than humans, and flicker is the rapidity which the retina of the eye can update images. Humans have a more rapid flicker rate than dogs, so since a TV screen is updated 60 times per second and the picture appears to be moving, dogs may see the TV screen as a rapid flicker and will not see the TV screen the same as humans. Field of vision in dogs also varies with breed, but average in dogs is 240 degrees, versus 180 degrees in humans and 200 degrees in cats. So dogs can see much farther to the side than humans and cats. Depth perception in cats and humans is much better than in dogs, as depth perception is related to the amount of overlap of the visual field of the two eyes. Humans and cats have 140 degrees of overlap, while dogs have 30 to 60 degrees, depending on the breed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's some good news
1: for Texas turkey hunters. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report.
5: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is forecasting a favorable spring turkey season for hunters. Jason Harden, TPWD Wild Turkey Program Leader, joins us with more.
8: We've had great production in 2019. Those birds are two-year-olds now across most of the Rio Grande range, and we had another good year of production last year, so going to be a lot of jakes out there as well, which bodes well for new hunters or folks that are just out looking to get the bird in the freezer. It also bodes well for the 2022 season, so we'll have a lot of two- and three-year-old birds next year. Time will tell what production will be like this year, but for now, it looks good. I've already been out, run around the state, seen birds strutting and gobbling from North Texas all the way to uh, the Rio Grande. The mills are ready to go and as soon as the hens get ready, everything will be back in action again.
5: Harden says there are some areas of the state that will likely have better hunting opportunities than others.
8: Across the northern Edwards Plateau, the southern part of the Cross Timbers, that Concho, Runnels, Coleman County area, that's just historically always been a hot spot for birds and harvests. That should still be good, but across most of the Rio Grande Range, we have a good opportunity. So that I-35 over to the Pecos River, all the way down to the valley, if you have a spot where you see turkeys on a regular basis, it should be good. Big properties down in South Texas, sometimes there's a little more limited access there, and that's why some of our harvest is down, but tons of birds down in that country as well. So Brooks County, Willisey County can be really good. if You can get access.
5: That was Jason Harden, TPWD Wild Turkey Program Leader. We'll have more with him on our next show. Spring turkey season for the Rio Grande South Zone opens Saturday and runs through May 2nd. Be sure to check the Outdoor Annual online or the Outdoor Annual app before hitting the field. I'm Jessica Dolmull with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It was a
1: mostly higher start for the cattle market on Monday. However, cotton and grains drifted lower. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that
2: train that's 18 football fields
1: it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: The cattle market kicked off the week on a mostly positive note on Monday. We finished steady to higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle up thirty seven, one eighteen seventy seven. June up twenty five at one eighteen ninety two. August live cattle up thirty five, one eighteen twelve. Feeder cattle steady to higher. March feeders up 40 cents, 135.07. April feeder cattle unchanged, 139.42. The May up 42 cents at 145.10. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle as high as 116. However, those prices came up in the Midwest. When you get down here to Texas, about the best we could do was a 50 cent jump. 114.50 was the price on the online fed cattle exchange. A lot of cattle sold out in the country for 114, so not a lot of movement on fed cattle prices here in Texas last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday, choice up one03 dollar dollars one oh two. select up $1.24 at twenty four dollars two twenty one nineteen. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
6: When you hear cattle in the alleyway, they must have had a Thursday sale in San Angelo at Producers and Cargile. Jody Fry, how'd that thing turn out?
9: I believe $15.85 was the total. Had a high percentage. Of cows today, a good many of those were included in the afternoon special cow sale. Uh, better quality calves and yearlings compared to that previous week. Calling those kind of two to four dollars higher. Slaughter cows calling those about steady. Calling slaughter bulls kind of weak to a dollar lower. Large offering of cow calf pairs. They sold sharply higher. Better quality groups of heavy bred cows sold steady to slightly higher. On your steers, your better quality steers went four to six hundred pounds. From 130 up to a high of around 175, mostly 140 to 155. 6 to 800 pound steers from 110 up to a high of around 155, mostly 120 to 140. Better quality heifers, 4 to 600 pounds from 115 to a high of 155, mostly 120 to 140. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding from 48 to 58. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 60 to a high of 64. Thinner and lower yielding type cows, still some of those from 35 to 47. Slaughter bulls, average to high yielding from 70 to 84. Had a the highest drilling slaughter bulls from 85 up to a high of 91. Bread cows and heavy bred two year olds averaged to better quality anywhere from 700 to 950 per head. Had a few choice sets of young to middle aged heavy bred cows anywhere from $1,000 to $1,200. Cow kiff pairs averaged to better quality pairs from 900 to $1,150. Had several sets of uh, cow kiff pairs the really front end of those pairs from $12,50 all the way up to a high of $18,50.
6: And Jody, your next sheep and goat sale will be the 23rd, and your cattle sale the 24th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. We'll be
9: there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's
6: 234-7895. Neighbor looks to me like that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host. Neighbor, good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed.
1: April hogs up 80 cents, 95.05. May lean hogs down 52, 94.40. Class three milk steady to lower. March milk unchanged at 625 dollars hundred. April milk down 17, dollars a hundred. Weight. The cotton market closed slightly lower in a very quiet, lackluster trade. Just nothing going on to move the cotton market right now. Traders sitting on the sidelines, waiting for some fresh news to come into this market. So prices just drifted lower on Monday. May cotton down six points, 8462. July cotton down eleven eighty five sixty one. 85.61. December cotton down 31 at 82.20 cents. The wheat market, feeling the pressure, same story we talked about all last week. Weather, favorable for the wheat crop right now. We're getting good precipitation from here in Texas all the way up through the Midwest, Nebraska and the Dakotas. As we continue to see rain and up north snow fall on this crop, it continues to pressure prices. July Kansas City wheat down 7 cents, 584 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat unchanged at 619 and a quarter. The corn market closed lower on Monday. May corn down 8 and three quarters, 549 a bushel. September corn down 5 and a quarter, 484 and a quarter. December corn down 3 and a half at 468. In the energy markets, April natural gas was up 3 cents, 2.57. April crude oil up a nickel, 61.47 apparel. The financial markets slightly higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 103 points, 32,731. The NASDAQ up 162 at 13,377. The S&P 500 up 27, 3,940. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. So glad to have you with us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.